Welcome, everybody, to episode three of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Tonight is May 16th, and we are psyched to have Grant Schwalbe as our guest tonight. The goals here are pretty simple, to bring in great guests and try to mine as much gold as possible from them in about 30 to 40 minutes. Short, sweet, and deep is what we're looking for. Unfortunately, Joey couldn't be here tonight, so Jeff and myself will do our best to try to not drop the ball. So tonight's guest is Lieutenant Grant Schwalbe with Acero Fire. Uh, for those who don't know him, he is a FDIC HOT instructor. He teaches the Residential Primary Search Making the Grab class. He is a co-host to not only the, the Grabs podcast, but also the Journeyman Firefighter podcast, which are both uh, awesome podcasts. So if you haven't before, make sure you check them out. Uh, has done some work with When Things Go Bad. He's been on the job for 24-ish years, and he is kind of the search guru in the U.S., so Grant, thank you for coming in tonight, man. We appreciate this. Oh, thanks. All right, Grant. Well, your, your passion and love, not only for the job, but also for your brothers and sisters is palpable. Where does this love come from? I think being blessed uh, at an early age, I knew I wanted to be a fireman. I, uh, shoot, always had matchbox cars in the trucks and I was playing out scenarios when I was, you know, three, four, five years old. My dad told me a story early on that his dad took him to chase some fire trucks. Uh, so I lived in a small town just outside of Toledo, Perrysburg. And when they had a fire, the, uh, the, the big uh, tornado siren whistle would go off. All the volunteers would go up there. They also had a couple paid guys. I'd ride my bike up to the fire station. I'd look at their chalkboard, get the address where the fire was, and then kind of chase them. So, um, it was kind of, you know, a hobby as a kid. And, you know, I grew up a little bit and figured out that I could make a living doing this. And, you know, every day is just a blessing getting to do what I've always wanted to do. So no days like going to work. And as we're all painfully aware, passion and motivation are not global in the fire service. At times, even in the most engaged of brothers and sisters, we can feel that passion ebbing. Do you have any advice or tips for our listeners on how to stay motivated during our valleys and kind of throughout our careers, our entirety or the entirety of our careers? Well, I think uh, early on, I was lucky to find some mentors. Uh, when I uh, just became a volunteer at the city of Perrysburg, I had some, some guys that had been around for a while, took me under their wing and, and kind of showed me the way. As I started going to fire conferences and whatnot, I just kind of gravitated towards all those, I don't know, the superstars of the fire service, you know, the legends that are around and whether it was going to uh, the Clauda uh, to grab a beer or something, just be close enough so that you could hear the stories. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed hearing that just co complete fire nerd. Uh, somewhere along the line, you know, attending the conferences, I, I feel like really gets you pumped up, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of the people, probably the, the fire nerds that are listening to this stuff, you, you go to a fire conference, you get all pumped up and then you come back, you got a lot of passion and then you tend to get beat up a lot of times by the own people in your department for being so engaged in the job. And then, uh, you know, time goes on and you attend another fire conference and refill the passion bucket, if you will. Um, and then sometimes you have to do multiple fire conferences in the same year to, to keep that passion at a high level. And, when I, you know, you attend all those conferences and you attend all the classes, at some point you've taken all those classes. And I was fortunate, at least in Florida, we had really two um, 
good fire conferences that were before the time of fire conferences every weekend, uh, being uh, Orlando Fire Conference and Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo, uh, Matt Nagley and then Mike Salzano doing the, the uh, Fort Lauderdale. And they bring in people from all over the country and you get to take the classes from those guys. But then those instructors really are the best of the best. And they, I don't know, kind of became mentors to me. And, um, you know, then year goes by and you're not going to take a class, but you volunteers. Hey, hey, guys, I will do, I'll be your bitch. I'll go do whatever you want. You need, uh, pallets cut up you need water brought you need bottles filled i'll just do whatever just to hear how you teach how you do things and i don't know i'm kind of an idiot and i need to hear things a lot so one class i get done with taking a class and shoot i remember about half of what i took but if i can be somebody's bitch at the class i can hear it three or four times my retention ends up being better and those guys were really cool poured into me and um and I feel like as I get older in my career, it's like pouring into the younger guys and we need to mentor them the way we were mentored uh, by some of the, the older guys that taught us. That's great. Uh, Grant, you're, you're a very well-rounded firefighter, uh, but your, your skills and knowledge for, for search uh, definitely excel. Why have you chosen to focus so much of your time and effort uh, dedicated to the search? I tried to, honestly, I tried to really focus. I, I sucked at everything and still suck at a lot of things. Um, and it just kind of, I don't know, people say you got to be like well-rounded and balanced. And I think that whatever you happen to be working on just moves at a particular time. Um, so at one point in my career, it was forcible entry. Another period of my time, it's, you know, really getting into engine work and nozzle work and, and then the, uh, the writ and, and the stuff that we are doing with when things go bad. And I think um, I really sucked at search. There was two pivotal calls um, that, that I, I think we could have done way better. Um, one was 1996 when I was working for Perrysburg and the, how Perrysburg worked, it was a part, part paid department. So um, you had full-time guys that took out the first engine and then the volunteers or off duty guys would come in and, and, fill the rest of the, the rigs and, and come out. So strategically, I moved like four blocks from the firehouse. That way I was always on the second do rig. Uh, that worked out real well to, to get some work. Um, and so first do arrives and they're doing their thing. And I, um, you know, it's a long time ago. And, and the story as I remember it was they were told by the, the neighbors that nobody was home. The family had sold the house and they moved out of town. And that was confirmed when you pull up and you see a for sale sign in a sold. There's no furniture. It was a split level house. There's no furniture in the house. Well, the son had stayed back uh, for an extra weekend while the family had moved, moved and uh, ended up being a cooking fire. So, but no search was initiated based on that bystander information. And so as second do, we went in, we vented, uh, then we were going to, to help just uh, with overhaul and whatnot and across the room um, there's there's Kevin laying there right by a sliding glass door wasn't burned up or anything and you know that that stuck with me for a while I don't know that you know if a primary search was initiated initially if that would have made any difference um, 
But in the end, it, it wasn't done. We didn't give them every chance for survival. And that bugged me. And uh, at the time I was working part-time or I was working for a fire extinguisher company. And you go around and you're doing fire extinguishers and all these different businesses that you've never been in. Sometimes old abandoned stuff in downtown. And I swear every room I went into, I saw that body across the room. Now eventually that subsided, but it really hit me hard that we need to put in all the work on the front end. I don't know about you guys, but when I do a good job or I feel like there's nothing more I could have done, even if the, even if the outcome is crap and the person passed away, whether it's a car wreck or a cardiac arrest or, or whatnot, uh, I can rest easy with that. But when we screw up on the front end or I wasn't prepared, uh, that sticks with me for a little bit. And, you know, firefighter deaths on the fire ground have gone down tremendously over the years, but firefighter suicides are up. And so that really stuck with me. It's like, man, if we're not preparing on the front end to do these searches, we're as likely to die from the mental aspect of not being able to make that rescue as we are uh, probably more so than, than dying actually on the fire ground. Right, so that was a big one. And then in 1999, we had, we ran, I, I'm sure everybody in their, in their different districts has their efficiency, older uh, apartments where all the old people live and you run medicals there like all the freaking time. So um, this was Dr. McCauley Court in Perrysburg. We ran it all the time and shoot, it couldn't have been more than like a 600 square foot apartment or whatnot. So as we roll up, there's smoke coming out about halfway down the door and the neighbors are like, she's in there, she's in there, she's in there. And so I start getting that like, uh, you know, that little bop to my step, like, oh yeah, this is it. I'm gonna make my grab. How big can it, you know, this isn't that big. This, this shouldn't be a difficult one to find. And as soon as I crossed that threshold, uh, my brain switched as I think we do is, all right, if I find them, what are we gonna do? And then I'm like, oh, I hope it's the little old lady that's only 80 pounds because I can get her out. But I'm like, man, what if this is a 300 pounder or something? Uh, I don't have a plan to get that victim out. And it's funny how your brain flashes back uh, to, to things that you remember or stuff you read. And I'm, I'm going through like third edition IFSTA and there's like three firemen with a dude like laying across them. There's like a blanket drag. There's somebody carrying out, somebody carried out in a chair. And like each, each image flashes in my head. I'm like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. So what seemed like an eternity in my head was probably only like 15 seconds but my search slowed down and being completely transparent because we're all, you know, prideful. My thought was, if I find the victim, I can't get him out. I'm a piece of crap. If my partner finds the victim and he can't get him out, I'll help my partner. And that will, you know, won't make me feel like such a piece of crap. And in the end, there wasn't a victim inside. But from that point on, I'm like, man, I really got to figure out how to get a victim out. And so, um, you know, those two things led me down my search path. And I think, I think the vacancy in, um, in the fire service on anybody really teaching search just happened to peak right about the time that I was looking for something to say, all right, I'm good at a little bit of everything. How can I, how can I contribute to the fire service before I leave this place? And uh, it just kind of hit, right? I was looking through an FDIC thing and I think there was like, two classes on search i'm like man if for a, for a fire service that's supposed to be there for them 
we got like 15 classes on extrication. We should probably have that many on, on search. So uh, it was a big, kind of a big task, but then, you know, just start reaching out to people that do this way more than me and, and trying to assemble some, something that makes sense of it. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I got into that, that side. Really appreciate the, the honesty uh, with you speaking about some, some fire scenes that are maybe less than ideal for you. Uh, two things kind of stuck out with that. And one of them, I want to roll into a question. The first one was, I found it interesting how if your, if your partner found somebody and wasn't able to get them out, you're there to help them. But when you're thinking about this from like the first person, like if I find somebody and I can't get them out, I'm a piece of shit. And it's just funny how that self-talk can be so negative when it's kind of related or directed right back at us. But when we're thinking about other people, we always give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Um, I just found that kind of interesting in, in the in the words you chose. That, um, the other part, <laughs> the other part that that I think is interesting and, and where I want to take this is you're talking about that call with Kevin and kind of the residue that was that was left over after that call. This is something that I've had my mind change and my perspective has changed on this a little bit. So if you get reports, you're a lieutenant right now. If you're first due, you get reports of everybody is out. And we don't know if that's the, the mom that's saying that who lives there or the neighbor or, or the, the, the kid who's living there. Is that something that you repeat on the fire ground? Is that radio traffic for you guys? And if e either way, why, why or why not? For me, hell no. Yeah. That's only going to screw it up. Uh, I can't speak for everybody else. I think just out of habit, everybody repeats what they're told. Mm hmm it is, it is so much easier just to go in and do a primary search than to figure it out. I know it was, it was maybe a year, year and a half ago, I was listening to radio traffic on a fire that we weren't on. And, and they said, everybody's reported out. Okay. And, you know, so the, the, the IC skips doing the search. And then later on, they call back and they're, hey, we got an open 911 line. All right, we'll send firefighters out to search the neighborhood. I'm thinking, how stupid is this, man? Like, you could probably search the house way faster then searching the neighborhood for the open cell phone line. And it took me back to, uh, there's, there's one that I talk about in uh, uh, incident that I talked about in, in one of my classes um, in Indiana where they, they wrote the victim off and then they, they, the victim calls back and says, hey, we're still in here. Is somebody gonna come get us? And they were just behind the closed door. So I think it's about find, survive, finding survivable space is that the inside? And we can't see that from the outside because we don't know where our doors are closed. Well said. And and just real quick, just as a side note for the people listening, is that that Muncie fire that you're referring yeah. to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there, there's a news clip on that. But in the end, I think it's just far easier to go in and get going and do a primary search. I mean, worst case, you're going to actually get good at doing primary searches. And something, something interesting that I noticed. Um, I just, you know, I go through the, I go through the seasons, whether I have the helmet cam on or I don't, I'm superstitious. I'm like, man, if I got my helmet cam on and charged, we're not going to get a fire. And uh, so I do that and I got a GoPro on the dash because, you know, trying to build some stuff for future lieutenants as, as moving forward. And we had a, we had a rash of car fires. And so I started watching our, we started watching as a crew to say, all right, where can we save 15, 20 seconds? Sure, it's a freaking car. You know, they're going to total it anyway, but where can we improve our time um, 
it was shortly after listening to a Ben Schultz class, which was unbelievable on, on that time matters. But I never realized I actually do a primary search on cars. And, you know, as an officer, my firefighters, you know, stretch into the car. First thing I do is go up, open the, open the driver's door, take a sweep, make sure there's no way in there, try to pop the hood, try to unlock the doors before the whole electrical system goes out. And then I go around to the passenger side, do a sweep. But it, it was, it's really weird because I never knew that, noticed that I did it or it wasn't really on purpose, but uh, it was something that I was doing, which was kind of cool. Yeah, man. Um, all right, so for, for all those firefighters uh, who, who are listening and their department have a less than ideal search culture, what are some ways that you think they can positively change their culture or climate within their department? I have no freaking idea. Uh, that that's tough. I think you got to get some guys going to classes, uh, get the right information, all the information coming out from Brian Brush's project and uh, the firefighter rescue survey is on point. So we got to get that in the, in front of our guys eyes and the chief's eyes so that they can understand what we're doing. But I think overall, we got to get confident doing stuff. I mean, nobody wants to do their job and, and do it crappy. Uh, you know, if you're going to do a door for us, you want to be the guy that can get the door real quick. You know, if you're doing a hose stretch, you know, do the best thing, hose stretch. And I, I truthfully think where we lacked in the fire service was people having an understanding on how we do searches and how everything's put together. Because you ask, you ask everybody, you know, out there and they got a different opinion. Oh, is it split search better? Is it uh, oriented search? Is it VES? Oh, VES is too dangerous. Everybody's got an opinion. You start right hand, left hand, you go closest to the fire, do you go, everybody's got something different. And until you really, I, I think, break it down. And I think there is an easy way to break all that down. Um, once people have that understanding and confidence, they're more, okay, now I understand this breaks down to, you know, oriented VES and split search. And these are the tools I'm going to take. This is how we're going to move through the building. This is how we're going to communicate while we're doing it. And once they start getting a better understanding, their confidence goes up. And when people are confident on doing something, they want to do it more often. So chief, put me in, send me, send me, let me go do the primary search. Um, you know, if we suck forcing the door, nobody's going to be volunteering to force the door because they don't want to look stupid. So I think it's using the data that's out there uh, that we do make a difference and then just really hitting it hard and breaking it down simply. Uh, crawl, walk, run. You gave a class last year during the quarantine firefighter online conference uh, that your uh, journeyman firefighter co-host Kyle uh, put together. Uh, but in this, you described how you set up a handful of search scenarios and also why you set them up the way that you do. Uh, first of all, it was refreshing to see such a well-respected, sought-after national speaker sharing intimate details of their classes so freely. Um, that's not done enough in our opinion. Second, and maybe more important here, can you talk about why you decided to share something that so many others, even in the fire service, kind of see as proprietary and their class. And I'm not going to share what I do and why I do it. Why did you share that so freely with everybody? I only know what I know because other people have shared with me. And, you know, the goofy part, I, 
people share tidbits here and there. And I, th- I love the culture that we're in because I wouldn't know any of you guys if it wasn't for social media, right? Um, so we're able to connect with people. But I take a little bit of what Nick's doing and what Jeff's doing and what Brian Brush is doing and what you know Aaron Fields is doing. And I take it all from all these different sources. And then how do we, how do we put it back together? And I feel like it's, it's connecting the dots and that's what we miss. I can show you a trick, but if you don't know how to apply that trick or where it fits in the big scheme of things, um, that's a huge problem. And so I love that people can get all this information and train 24 seven and they can get all this stuff. It's just, we need to reflect a little bit more and figure out where's this actually fit. And, you know, I, two people that were real influential in how I try to build stuff. Um, Aaron Fields, the way he put together Nozzle Forward is just unbelievable. And I can't talk enough about what a gentleman and brother he is because uh, I'm sure you guys have all reached out to him at some point, but he doesn't like to do texts or emails. He's like, brother, pick up the phone, give me a call and I will explain it to you. His classes, it's you come ready to work. You're going to do 20 to 24 hours over two days, but he breaks it down in a way that is so simple. And, you know, you look at, so you're around your kids or something and your kids are doing sports. So what are they doing? They're doing a drill. They're doing a drill. They're your bump, bump drill, set drill, spike drill. And then later on, they're putting it all together. And I think when you looked at what we were doing with search, what, what was, how did you guys learn doing your search? You know, fire Academy, they're like left hand, right hand, don't stay, you know, you got to stay together and go. And you'd be in zero vis, whether it was, completely smoked out or they masked, blacked out your masks. Um, so you couldn't see anything and you were in there for 20 minutes, right? So let's look at the firefighter rescue survey numbers um, and, and the stuff that we're getting out of that. And it's validating stuff that we actually see on the fire ground. You know, we do have some visibility uh, some of the time. No, not all the time, but some of the time we have some visibility. How do you train even using a tick when you have zero vis and you've got visqueen over your, over your mask. Like, how do you, how do you bring flashlights into the game? You know, when, when you have zero vis, well, you gotta, you gotta take those things into account. What's the time factor. I know in the grabs podcast I've been doing, and we've, we've recorded about, I don't know, what is it, Nick, about like 65 grabs so far. the majority of them are under five minutes. So I feel like our drills need to mimic what we're doing out in the, in the real world. So like I said, I'm kind of an idiot. My experience is about, um, you know, real tiny compared to people that are out there. Um, So I tried to really pick their brains of guys that are on busier companies, guys that are on squads, hey, four-man truck, you're doing split search and taking all the information. What tools are you bringing? How are you guys doing it? How are you divvying up the, the buildings? Are you doing leapfrog? You going left and right? And taking all this information on what they're putting, putting together and I'm simply connecting the dots in a way that makes sense to me um, and hopefully makes sense to, to other people. Like a perfect example, I know we... Um, debate and, and there's a question on the firefighter rescue survey split search versus oriented search and nick like what's the highest percentage of victims found between those two 
uh, I believe split. I need to look up those numbers off the yeah, top. Of my head, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to set you up, it, but yeah. it, but it's split. So how I explained it to people, I, unfortunately, I've I've gotten to be a lieutenant for since 05. So I've worked with some guys that I've been lucky enough to teach with, and I've worked with some real new guys. And the way we do search, depending on who I'm with and what the conditions are, vary. So if it's a newer guy. I'm leaning towards oriented search where I'm leading the search. I'm dumping the firefighter in rooms and I'm setting the pace because my, my responsibilities as an officer is make sure the whole thing's been searched crew safety uh, and that we, I can communicate to the outside if we got to get out. Right. So, but that does that change if I've got, I had Dean York was one of my firemen for a long time and he teaches with us when things go bad and, and we know exactly what each other are going to do all the way along. And what I found was when I was working with him, my responsibilities didn't change, but how fast we moved through the building, how far we were able to get apart, lent itself more to uh, being a split search. And so I don't want people to get into a camp to say Republican or Democrat, that's bullshit. You know, oriented search is more the JV, not meaning that you're lesser of a fireman, but how you work together, your skill level, the conditions of the building will dictate how close and how far you can spread apart. And I think once you start just breaking things down simply like that, then the light bulb goes on. They're like, oh, you know, take for instance, where we searched for, for the victim. And I was just talking, talking with a guy last week and he's like, man, I, you know, I struggle to explain it. And it's pretty simple. Where is the victim in the most amount of danger? Where do they have the least amount of time? closest to the fire. All right, that's cool. Um, where is, if you're in a fire and you can't put it out, we look at the numbers before the firefighter rescue survey um, took off. We're looking at US Fire Administration numbers and it was about 36% of the time the victims between the fire and the front door, right? So if we simply go from the front door to the fire, we got a 36% chance of finding the victim. That puts us in the position closest to the fire to grab the victim that's in the most amount of danger. And then we look at areas like bedrooms that are other high percentage areas. And we say, all right, front door to the fire. Once that's done, we'll make our way to the bedrooms and then we'll catch everything else. And when it was, when I looked at the numbers and kind of broke it down like that, it made sense to me in an easier way to explain it. And I started talking to the guys that are in bigger cities that are doing a lot of searches and like, what are you doing? And they're like, yep, same thing. Just didn't put it like that. <laughs> and, uh, so that really became my passion is trying to break down what everybody's doing across the country and, and put it in smaller packages that we can digest. So you start looking and you say, if we're so common in all of these things, we should build our drills to match what we're doing on the fire ground and what we're also, um, what, what we're finding and time-wise. You know, how many times have you heard, I know, I remember a story from, Larry McCormick out of Chicago saying, you know, uh, nobody wants to die alone. All right. What do you mean? What do you mean by that, Larry? When you find one victim, pause, search around them because a mother is going to be protecting her kids. That's where you've got a high percentage move. So why wouldn't we build that into a scenario? You think about another scenario. How many times on the podcast or you guys you talk to, you're like, how'd you find the victim? I heard him coughing or I called out and they answered. Well, holy crap. If we can build that into a scenario, we can start, as instructors, we can start looking and say, are the students understanding what we're trying to teach them? 
Uh, it's, it's not enough to put 10 bowling pins in a room or in a building and say, all right, go find them. If you find all 10 in two minutes, you're awesome. If you find all 10 in 20 minutes, you suck. If you find two pins in two minutes, you suck. That's kind of a bullcrap way to, to, to evaluate whether your students actually understood what you're talking about. So if you can say, if you can dive down your class and just say, what tools are you taking? Did they call out? When they found a victim, did they search the general area? Uh, what did they do when they were passing the fire on the way out? Did they go the way they came in or did they go out a window? Let all the conditions dictate that. But um, another guy who taught me a lot was Rob Lassetti out of Fairfax. And he said, make your drills, try to hit like six objectives. This is, this is the Larry McCormick drill. This is the Mike Champo drill. This is the Paul Capo drill. And you know, I really started, you know, it started getting born from that, the grabs podcast is like, if I can just record a ton of other grab of grabs of what people are doing, and this is a cool one, make that your scenario and then play the grab story back for the students. Um, so I think we got to just do a better job as instructors. And, and like Field says, if they outsmart your drill, your drill suck. So uh, make it good and, and, and try to make sure that, uh, you know, the students have positive reinforcement for doing what you wanted them to do. That was excellent stuff. Thank you, Grant. <clears throat> um, when we look at hands-on training classes, um, there seems to be kind of uh, two avenues that, that instructors fall into. I, I kind of feel like I already know what your answer is going to be, but I think it'd be beneficial for the listeners here. So uh, those two avenues being, you know, the instructor, instructors focus on the basics or they focused on the advanced skills. Uh, while both uh, are beneficial, where do you focus your time and attention when you teach search? I love the crawl, walk, run thing. And uh, Jim McCormick says it well that there's no advanced skills. You just add uh, more stimulus to it, whether it's heat and smoke. But if that's something interesting that we ended up doing at FDIC, we took jersey barriers and we built a house pretty much. And we said, we showed the students what a good search looks like. Because how many times have you guys been shown what a good search looks like? You know, it's tough in the fire academy setting and it's tough when we get an acquired structure because the buildings aren't real big. But if you can use something like Jersey barriers or pallets, build a pallet house, teach from that position because now, now they can get a chance to run through it, but they don't ruin the one building that you actually were able to furnish real good and run your scenarios through. And then let them do it. Um, I love seeing instructors in gear actually do the skill. I, there's nothing more that I hate than an instructor that will grab a student and just say, hey, do this. No, you're supposed to do it like this. No, you're supposed to, and that doesn't make the student feel real good. Um, I think an instructor that will demonstrate, hey, here's the skill this is how you do it and is willing to fail in front of his students. Um, Cause you guys have been in this for a while and you've probably made the same mistake I have early on. Hey, I'm gonna show you a skill and you start showing the students who are like, well, that doesn't work. Um, you kind of practice it and, and have that stuff dialed in ahead of time. Never do anything. I never do anything on the fly before the class cause that'll make you look like a complete freaking idiot. Um, but then let the students actually go through and do that same search drill that you just did. Because I mean, you think about it, we gotta learn how to crawl. We gotta learn where to put the tools. We gotta learn how to choreograph ourselves through these buildings so we don't bump into each other. And you know, 
officer being on the off going inside because if you stay on the on the incoming side that firefighter comes out and all of a sudden the firefighters leaving it and so there's a bunch of little things let the students do that i think they appreciate the slowing down like i said before you know you take a take a little bit of a uh, paid from what aaron fields did with with nozzle work and you're doing knee bundles for a long time before you're doing anything else um so just start out slow and gradually add um and i think if you add too fast the students just their minds blown and they don't understand where this falls into the big picture. All right, so kind of broad brush strokes here, but when it comes to search, what are we being the American Fire Service? What are we doing correctly? What are we doing wrong? And we don't need to spend five minutes on this, but what are a couple like high points for each of these? Uh, I think Ben Schultz has hit it hard uh, and if you haven't taken his class or, or you guys got to have been on at some point, but the time factor, it's speeding up your time where we can, even from rig layout to coming off the rig with the appropriate tools to masking up quickly, especially when it comes to search, we're not going to save three minutes because I teach you some new fandango way to do a search, but we're going to save 20 seconds from the door to the rig. We're going to save 30 seconds because we're better at masking up. We're going to save 30 seconds because uh, we have a formed a way to communicate in the building and we're not saying, I'm on my run. What? You got one. Every time that happens, it slows it down. So I think, I think the push between what Ben's doing with time, uh, what firefighter rescue survey is doing, what Brian Brush is doing, um, you know, what, you know, Kurt Isaac, there are so many people uh, to list, but I really feel like we're dialing all in. The coolest thing about search that I don't see necessarily in other areas of the fire service is we're not getting stuck um, in our egos and saying, I've got to be the search guru. And, and you know, I, it made me cringe when you even say anything like that because, you know, brothers in battle, there's so many groups that are out doing good stuff and willing to share what's going on. I, I had a conversation with John Spira uh, just, just last week. And he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing search at the Casper uh, fire conference. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And like, I love that at least mo the, many of the guys that are in the search field are just sharing everything. It doesn't matter because it's really about them. Uh, and truthfully, I don't think any of us want to be away from home more than we already are. So if other people are teaching it right, we can share information, we can multiply it. This can be a force multiplier way faster than us saying, I got to be the only guy that can teach this across the country, which is just complete stupidity. Uh, but I think the fire service is, is killing it in that, in that portion of the fire uh, search realm. All right. If, uh, if you could see into the future, what would uh, the fire service training look like in 10 uh, or 20 years? I hope. I, I, I was lucky enough that my department sent me up to do the fire, um, the fire combat up at FDTN and what Jim McCormick has done with that place. Um, it just running calls. I think we had like 38 of the hardest fires I've ever been on. And like, there was a, there was a part on like day one, when I came out almost in tears, like I suck at this. This is so hard. Um, 
and I love to see that he's free, freely sharing how he does his building layouts. And we're using Connex containers. And I love to see departments actually building their own training facilities like that. I know they're popping up everywhere, but I feel like what we got to do is we got to get, we got to get away from these stupid, um, these stupid fire tower buildings that every department gets. That's, it doesn't, it's not for good for searching. It's not good for fire attack. It's not good for freaking anything. Uh, I, I really hate that. So I love to see uh, fire, fire departments going towards that connex thing and god does we just got to stay away from euro helmets i think is the big thing if we can do those two things we're winning okay real quick question i have a, a special guest here as well um but what's the best conference class and book that you've ever attended or read so conference class and book sorry for that that was my son for for those listening as a student, uh, I loved attending Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo. Uh, they get so many buildings donated because they're doing all the uh, renewal, uh, urban renewal stuff. And like, no doubt, those guys will build, burn two city blocks down and they'll do one live burn in an apartment, move to the next one, it's just so much. Uh, and then Wheaton, of course, will like burn a block down himself by accident with the can confidence class, but we don't talk about that too much. Um, but that as a student, that was really the most fun that I had, uh, but everybody is doing an awesome job with conferences. Now they've really seemed to get it, get it dialed in the, uh, the book. There's so many books that, that I've read depending on what season in my career I've been when I was a new officer, I was reading certain things, but I would say on combat by David Grossman is probably the most uh, applicable book that I've had as far as fire ground, fire ground stuff. And uh, I don't even remember what your other one was, but there was one other thing. Right? Class. What's the best class as a student you've been to? Not, I gotta say nozzle forward. Nice. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do a real quick shameless plug and then we'll allow you to do two real quick shameless plugs. So we got uh, the fire nuggets search school in September, which all three of us will be at along with some other uh, really great firemen. So if you don't know anything about it, go to firenuggets.com, check it out. It's in the end of September. And then uh, if you want to shameless plug this grant, uh, you can tell everybody a little bit about the Journeyman Firefighter podcast. You can also film it on the uh, Grabs Firefighter podcast as well. Yeah, so two, uh, two podcasts, one's Grabs, the other's Journeyman. Uh, the Journeyman one uh, started out with Kyle Samsing and Andrew Zisk, and we're just young firemen with busy lives and uh it's so most of the time it's just one of us now instead of all three of us being on the podcast uh just babies and work and all that uh, kind of screws that up but we just try to have uh you know just fire service legends on and just talk about i don't even going to say legends but people that we've learned stuff from uh and share some of those firsthand phone conversations that that we get to have and then grabs uh, grabs is like a 15, 15 to 30 minute uh, podcast. I try to, I try to put one out uh, every Wednesday. I got Justin McWilliams and Nick is also doing recording those for me. Uh, but when we try when we hear stories of, of grabs, we made, we just try to get those firsthand. Um, 
So there, there's something to learn from every everyone. But I, what I love most about the Grabs podcast is we talk a little bit about what the search culture is in that department because really search is regional. Uh, and if you're getting three guys on a, on a fire compared to 25 guys, that's going to be different. It's cool to hear how big cities are doing it and how smaller cities are doing it. Um, and then the struggles within the grab. How easy was it to find the victim? How'd you get the victim out and, and whatnot? Uh, so that, that's a fun one. And uh, if you've got a grab and they made it or they didn't make it, but we'd love for you to share, share with any of us that the hardest part is actually finding the grabs to record. And, and I'll say to anybody that's working big cities, I know the culture is, we don't talk about what we do. We just go and we bring people out. You got to share it because the people that departments that aren't getting all that many grabs need to hear from you and what, what you're actually, uh, what you're doing. And we can leave everything. We can use your name. We can use your department name. We don't have to do either of that. Um, yeah. So those two long shameless plugs. Solid plugs though. Um, and, and I just came on to grabs relatively recently. Uh, but, but Grant's idea for that, I think is just beautiful. Um, getting this firsthand information really making, and I think Grant said this before, but I love how he worded it really making kind of each entry for firefighter rescue survey kind of come to life and kind of personalize that for people and personify it. I thought was really cool. So one of the best ideas for a podcast that, that I've ever seen. Um, so awesome job, Grant. Um, awesome job also on this, uh, this interview. So thank you so much for your time, Grant. We really do appreciate it. Uh, for all those listening, be sure to check out the journeyman firefighter and the grabs podcast as well. Uh, any last thoughts, fellas? All right, we're getting some crickets, but thank you guys again. And uh, I got one. Time, I got fellas. one. I got one. One last thing. All right, what you got, Grant? <laughs> Sorry, um, we talked a little bit about like not. You want to leave your mark on the fire service at at some point. And something that I thought was so cool was uh, Sean Wilson out of Michigan. I don't know if you guys remember, but all the the search and destroy stuff he was putting out. Uh, really, I think he actually named like his book the Firefighter Journeyman. And it was all the stuff he learned and had passed on down from others. So we talked a little bit before about um, how we connect the dots in this information overload. So one thing that I've been working on with the help of some other, other folks, at least from my department, is we were trying to come up with a manual that's specific to us so that once guys get done doing uh, Firefighter 1 and 2, they can toss those books away. Um, but then everything I learned and we try to put who, uh, who helped with each chapter and, 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 you know, Justin McWilliams and the, the clack of the search stuff has been awesome. So we take some of that and, you know, the ladders from brush and champo and, and, you know, you got the, the firefighter survival stuff. We got, uh, you know, basil help with that, uh, capo stuff that I've learned from all these classes and we put it all in there and just make it for firemen by firemen um and, and the cool thing that we've done was now that's once you get on the job our we've just reached this point probies that's their book that they got to study everything's tested out of there the firefighter or you get test for engineer you test for for lieutenant you test for bc all the information comes out of there and i'm willing to share email me grant at gmail.com if you want a copy of that i'm happy to send a copy out to anybody that wants and then switch out the pictures, use your own pictures. If you've got stuff 
right now I'm working on building construction. And so I'm reaching out to a bunch of people. I'm working on updating our vehicle extrication. Um, anybody who wants to help participate in getting that up to speed, uh, just, I, I'd love, I'd love to help, but let's make this generation. Uh, it's not enough that we post something on Facebook or Instagram or something. If we can, uh, if we can, um, connect the dots for everybody that that's just awesome. So how someone reach out to you, Grant, uh, Grant Schwalbe at gmail.com common spelling. Uh, you can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Facebook messenger. I'm not great with Instagram. Uh, but you can Instagram message me there. I don't DM. I don't even know how that is, but, um, you can find me pretty good or yeah. So if you want it, it's yours. Perfect. If you're interested in sliding into your DMs, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, DM me. Uh, yeah, whatever. Hit me up. I, I love it. No, it's a great uh, – that manual that you guys put together is awesome. I've got a chance to look at that thing. And and kind of to your point earlier about kind of a lot of the, the people in the search orbit uh, sharing stuff so freely, you, you have been so awesome throughout my career sharing a bunch of cool stuff with me. So thank you so much. It's, it's really appreciated, and, and your openness isn't lost on me. I appreciate that. Sweet. With, with that, Go we'll kind of wrap class. it up. Go teach the class. Make it yours. <laughs> <laughs> with that, we'll kind of wrap it up. Thank you again so much uh, to, to Grant, to Jeff, and, and all the listeners out there. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, Grant.